Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Today, we are going to be talking about impacted crop in chickens. And if you don't know what that is, and you have chickens, or you're thinking about getting chickens, I definitely think you should stay tuned because it's it's pretty important to know what this is and how to recognize it so that you can handle it if it happens in your flock. Now, I do have a, I have a listener question that I'm going to be answering today. And if you have a question that you would like to submit to Bok Talk, you can do that by going to my website, welcometochickenlandia.com. You can go to the contact section and click ask a chicken question. And I see all of the questions. I cannot answer all of the questions because it's just, I get a lot of questions. But if you submit your question, you may end up chicken famous. I might answer it on Bok Talk. So <laughs> definitely give that a try. Okay, I have two announcements today because you guys know I say this every time I've got to pay those chicken bills. (laughs) Chickenlandia has got bills. They got to get paid or else the chickens will get mad because they won't get fed. (laughs) So I have two announcements today. One is, as always, I want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my favorite chicken. My favorite chicken is my favorite online shop to get all my chicken things. I get my feed from there. I get that. I You, you guys know I love scratch and peck feed. So they have scratch and peck feed. I get my feed from there. Um, I get my chicken supplies. I get all my fun chicken stuff from there, like my chicken purse and my chicken apron. <laughs> Everything's chicken. Okay. Everything in Chickenlandia is chicken. That is myfavoritechicken.com. Make sure that you check them out. I will put a link to them in the description and in the show notes. The second announcement I want to make is that this podcast is also brought to you by the folks at Small Pet Select. Now, Small Pet Select is is a local company to me, but they are online. So wherever you are in the U.S., you can go and check them out. Um, they have two products that I'm very into right now. They have an organic pine shavings that I'm super into, and they also have pet greens, which I posted about a couple of weeks ago on my social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. When, if you're not on, if you don't follow me there, you need to go and follow me right now at those places. Um, but pet greens is like 
is this bag that you can grow. You can grow sprouts right in the bag. And then you you cut them off and give them to your chickens so your chickens can have greens. And it's just such a great little product, especially if you live in the city and your chickens don't have access to pasture or foliage. It's an easy way to get that into your chicken. So I, I just love them. I love this company. And I will leave a link to them. It's a special link. I will leave that in the description and in the show, no- show notes for you. Again, that's My Pet Select. Okay. You guys know I like to share chicken stories on this podcast. And I'm going to share with you a very short story. Actually, it's a legend. It is a legend Uh, and it really made me laugh. And that's why I'm going to share it with you. It was actually a comment that a viewer posted. Her name is Katie. And she posted a comment on my last video, which was about like bantams versus standards. And so a lot of people were like telling me their stories about their little bantam chickens. And, you know, bantams are super funny and, and standards are funny too, but bantams have that extra thing (laughs) that make them really funny. Anyway, she left this comment. I have both, meaning she has both bantams and standards. One day I was cleaning out my horse stalls. I heard one of my big hens yelling. <laughs> it's like yelling. <laughs> I get, you know, I can, I can imagine that. Like, rawr, rawr. She ran by me and on her back was my tiniest Sarama rooster corn dog. <laughs> I laughed for hours after that. Okay. So that's it. That's the story. <laughs> that's the story. Or rather, it is a legend. It is the legend of Corn Dog, the Bantam Rooster. And he's a tiny surfing rooster. His name is Corn Dog. And he really should be in the uh, Marvel Universe. If it were up to me, I would put him in the Marvel Universe <laughs> because he is a legend. Okay, so let's talk about impacted crops. So a few weeks ago, I went out into the chicken yard to, you know, do my chicken chores. And I noticed one of my chickens. She is an Easter egger that I have. And she's a rescue. I got her very recently. She's not like an old chicken or anything. She's pretty young. She's very healthy. But she was walking around. She was like moving her neck really funny. And it it wasn't in a way like there's a certain way that they move it if it's like a neurological problem, like something like Rhineck. But this really looked like she was just like repeatedly trying to adjust her crop. And, you know, I was looking at her and she actually her crop looked a little bit big. And I was like, oh, no, like what's going on with this chicken? So I picked her up. I inspected it. And sure enough, her crop was like it was really hard. It was enlarged and it was enlarged. And I was very worried that it might be impacted. So chickens have a different way of digesting things than humans do, obviously, because they're birds. So the crop is like the first level of digestion. They eat something, it goes into their crop, and it kind of, it just like, that's kind of like the holding place before it goes on to be digested either in their um, provincial proventriculus, which is a very hard word for me to say, or in their gizzard. So, you know, it's, it's just like, it's an important part of that process. And it's the first process. So, you know, what I did with this particular chicken, well, actually, you know, when, when the crop gets impacted, it just means that it, it, it's, has stopped the food 
cannot move on from that spot. So yeah, when it when it gets impacted, it just can't it can't move on from that spot. And obviously that's a problem because the chickens will continue to eat and they, you know, there's food that's just sitting there kind of, you know, sitting there and it can it can, you know, collect bacteria and the the bacteria in the crop can get imbalanced and it can just cause a lot of problems and obviously like they could die. They could literally like starve to death because that the food just is not getting digested. So what I did for this particular chicken is I removed her from the flock and I didn't like, I actually, I separated her. I didn't remove her because I knew what the issue was. And I knew that she wasn't like, you know, she didn't have anything that was like contagious to the other flock members. So I wasn't worried about her being away from the flock to keep them from getting sick. So what I did is I actually put her in a run that is within the larger run where my chickens are. So the reason why I wanted to separate her is because during this time, you really have to watch what they're eating. You don't want them to continue eating their regular diet because you need to make sure that that feed starts moving through the crop again. So I gave her plenty of fresh water. I massaged her crop a few times that day. Very gently, I massaged it because you kind of want to move things around. You kind of want to start getting, you know, seeing if things can can move out of there. And I just kept an eye on her that first night, night. And then in the morning, I went to go check on her because if it's emptied, then it's like, you know, she just had a really full crop. It emptied and she's fine. But if it's not empty, then you will know, okay, you know, she's got an impacted crop. So this can happen from an infection. It can happen from an imbalance that happens with the bacteria in the crop. It can happen from eating the wrong, you know, quote, wrong foods or from gorging on food. Like, you know, if they're just like in the situation where they haven't eaten in a long time and they gorge on some food, then sometimes that can happen. But in all honesty, I really feel like the main reason it happens is that the chicken is compromised in some other way. And that could be from like a poor diet from a stressful environment that they're in, or it can be from bad genetics. So this chicken was a rescue. I don't know what her situation was like, but she lived like right down the road from me. And I knew the lady, I met the lady that gave her to me. She was loved. The lady was like, they were moving and she was like, I don't know what to do. So I took her in and I know that she was well cared for. Like she She's a very healthy looking chicken, very, you know, robust. She's laying well. So my thought was that this is probably just bad genetics, you know, or maybe maybe there was something that I that I don't know that occurred before that. I just don't know. And the reason I think that is because, you know, a healthy chicken should be able to digest many different things. Their crop should be able to handle many different things. And I say this because, you know, chickens are omnivores. They are, they are scavengers. They're like little T-Rexes. Okay. (laughs) And for literally millennia, they've been eating like what we throw away 
and they've been eating foliage and, you know, dead animals and like whatever they can find in their environment. And that includes like long, you know, tall grass, you know, other other plants. They've been living on farms for a long time where there's like hay and all these things that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you need to, you know, you need to keep your chickens away from tall grass. You need to keep your chickens away from these things because they can get an impacted crop. But my thought with that is like if your chicken is if your chickens are getting impacted crop from that, then likely there's another issue going on because they should a healthy chicken should be able to digest these things. Okay. So, but you know, I understand like if you if you really don't want that, you know, you don't want to deal with impacted crop, you you really want to lower that risk. I mean, the only way to like completely lower that risk would be to, you know, our, I guess the most drastic way to lower that risk would be to just give them their feed and not let them have access to any foliage or, um, you know, pasture. But I just, I just don't think that's a great life for a chicken. Um, and I also think it's hard on the person that is caring for the chickens because it like puts all this stress on you. Like, oh, all these things can cause impacted crop. And I think a a better way to go about, you know, preventing it is to make sure that your chicken's general health is as good as possible. So I'm always talking about these things, but I'm going to talk about them again. <laughs> your chicken's general health, make sure they have the right nutrition. Okay. This means that the majority of their diet is going to be their chicken feed, but you're also having fresh food in their diet. So healthy chickens, uh, healthy kitchen scraps, um, you know, if you can give them sprouts or some kind of greens, foliage, vegetables, those things are really good for your chickens and they need those. They need that fresh nutrients in their diet. Um, and also it contributes to their quality of life and it's good for the environment. So it's a win-win. Make sure they have enough space. Make sure that their area is reasonably clean. You don't want it to be sterile. You don't want to go crazy. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's got to be perfect. Just reasonably clean. Remember, it's a chicken coop, so there's going to be some poop in it. And just make sure that their life is as stress-free as possible. So you don't want, like, repeated predator attacks or, like, you know, just some situation, like a bullying um, or some other situation in the flock that's just, like, stressing them out over and over. These are the things that can cause issues. And it's just like people, you know, like when we have a lot of stress in our lives, we can end up sick. Okay. And when we're not taking care, we're not taking good care of ourselves. We're not eating the right things. We can end up sick. So that that's really my best advice to avoid impacted crop and a host of other things that can happen with your chickens. So after that first night, uh, like I said, her crop had, it had not emptied, so that's when I knew it was truly impacted. And when, sometimes when my chickens are sick, I will make them a slurry of egg yolk, a little and a little bit of electrolyte probiotic uh, vitamin water. I'll just like mix it up in a slurry and they'll like drink it like they obviously they will, will love that. And so they'll drink it up. And, you know, if they're not eating, I will put it in a syringe. But a chicken with an impacted crop, unless it's like really advanced, they're probably still eating and wanting to eat um, because they're hungry. Like they're, even though the food isn't moving through their system, they're, they're hungry. So she was very happy to, 
to drink this up and it's, you know, it's got those probiotics in it. And for her, because of this situation, I put also a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of extra virgin olive oil in it to kind of like, you know, lubricate the items in her crop to hopefully help it, you know, to help whatever was in there to just move through. And I continued to massage her several times a day in very gently, but enough to kind of, you know, make it, you you want to make it like move a little bit. You want that stuff to to move around, to get a chance to go, you know, to release and, and, and continue to go through. So I, I offered her, of course, I offered her grit and fresh water. Okay. And then like on the second day, I also gave her some, cause I was like, you know, she's not eating much. So I also gave her some whole, um, some whole milk yogurt. Okay. A uh, whole plain yogurt. And she happily gobbled that up. And I put a little bit of olive oil in that too. So she was getting a lot, you know, some good, decent nutrition, but I was not allowing her. She stayed in that separate area. I was not allowing her to get access to the chicken feed. I didn't want her eating grain. I didn't want her out there, um, you know, in the pasture eating, eating grass. I, I didn't want to do any of that, but I also didn't want her to starve. So I was giving her some, uh, you know, some nutrients in that slurry and in the yogurt. So I was, it, I was getting a little bit nervous because on the third day, she still had a little bit of, you know, it was going down, like every day it was going down. So that's a really good sign. But on the third day, you know, she still had, a, you know, a little bit of something in her crop. And I was like, okay, like, you know, this is it, you know, three or four days. <laughs> and I'm going to have to like call the vet or something. But on that third night, she passed everything. And uh, I was able to get her through it. And because she didn't eat that much, the crop, which was, it, you know, it was distended. Um, it, that muscle kind of contracted back up again. And now she's right as rain. She's out there just eating. I did do something that I would probably do differently next time. I just let, you know, after the third day when it emptied, I just let her back out and she was eating normally after that. But I think if I had to do it over again, I would offer her just a little bit less feed so I could keep an eye on her and I'd probably keep her separate just to make sure that things were going smoothly and just kind of wean her back onto her regular feed. But now she's fine. So, you know, if if you're not seeing improvement by the third or fourth day, I I really would recommend you consulting a veterinarian, a licensed veterinarian. And I, you know, I'm so hesitant to say that because for so many people, that's just not an option. Either they can't afford it or there's just not that availability where they are. There's not a whole lot of chicken vets everywhere. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky I live in an area where there's lots of chicken vets. So I just, you know, I want to put that out there that I understand that that's not the best option. And if you Google it, you will see people performing surgery on their chickens at home. Um, and you will see that being suggested. I, in good conscience, I just, uh, I just can't tell you to perform surgery at home on your chicken because there's just so many things that could go wrong in that scenario. And, you know, you can introduce bacteria and, you know, cause further injury or illness. 
The other thing is, you know, the crop is like, it's a muscle. So, you know, you're cutting into it. And I really feel like if it doesn't get that chance to like contract back up, you could be dealing with like this repeatedly and you could be dealing with it repeatedly anyway. Like the chicken that got it before she may get it again. But I think, you know, the more that you can kind of steer away from something so drastic and try out these other things first, I think that you will give that chicken the best opportunity. And all I'm going to say is just do what feels right for you and do your own research and whatever you do, I support you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I am going to just quickly answer a question from a listener named Tara. This is also about impacted crop, but she had a unique situation. So I did want to answer it for her. And Tara said, hello, I found your YouTube channel looking for some information on clearing an impacted crop. I've watched several videos so far and I'm really enjoying all the information. We have had chickens for two years now. Tonight, we just got 15 one-week-old chicks. That's chicken math right there. (laughs) Um, From a local lady that is moving. When we got there, she said she was getting them ready and she noticed Several of them had impacted crop. We talked a little bit about that and she said she would give them to us for free since she didn't know what was going on. We decided to take them and see what we could do. And so far, all we've done is give them water with apple cider vinegar in it. And I assume she's probably also giving them feed too. I have been doing a lot of research since we got home, but most of what I have been finding is for adult chickens. And that does make sense because that's what you that's what you'll find when you when you Google about um, impacted crop. She later messaged me and said she thinks she realized what happened. She thinks she mixed up her chick food with the food for her quail. So they've been getting bird, uh, you know, they've been getting game bird crumble. I am wondering if you had any thoughts about this and how we could help them. Thank you. I appreciate any any help. Well, Tara, thank you so much for your question. So after I got your question, I I emailed Kelsey, our Chickenlandia presidential advisor, to just consult with her about it a little bit. And we agreed. And I, you know, I do get, I have gotten many of these, many, many emails like this and messages like this about chicks with impacted crops. But I will say it is it's pretty rare for a baby chick to have a healthy baby chick to have an impacted crop. Um, It can happen, but it's usually a situation where the chicks, for whatever reason, they ate something they weren't supposed to. Like they they ate a whole bunch of shavings. They just are they, you know, for whatever reason, they ate the wrong thing, which probably means they didn't have, you know, they, I don't know, they got confused for whatever reason, or they didn't have the right things in their environment. They didn't have enough feed in their environment. Um, and then every once in a while, there's just a chicken that like eats shavings and, and, and they don't, no one knows why. And also, you know, of course it can happen from like improper care, but I don't, I don't want to say, you know, those are the only reasons, of course, that, you know, there could be a situation where it was just nothing that anyone did and it just happened. But most of the time, in reality, okay, when I get a message about this, when someone's, and they're usually pretty panicked because it's new people with baby chicks, and they're like, you know, oh my gosh, my baby chick has an impacted crop. I will say to them, okay, just wait and see if it empties, you know, just watch it and wait to see if it empties. And also, are they acting normal? 
because baby chicks will eat, a healthy baby chick will eat a lot and they will have a full crop. And I have an idea that what happened in the situation is that as this uh, woman was moving the baby chicks, she just caught them after they had eaten a lot and they had a nice full crop, which is a sign of a, a nice, healthy baby chick. If they are, if they're acting normal, I would just wait to see if the crop empties. And if it does, if it does empty and they continue to act normal, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. I, it's so funny because it's not funny because people are, you know, someone's worried about it, but a lot of times people will be, will message me and they'll say, my baby chick has, has a tumor and I don't know what to do. And I'll say, okay, well, where is the tumor? And, the, and they'll say it's, it's at the, you know, it's on their neck. It's kind of like between their neck and their, and their breastbone. I'm like, okay, like that's their crop. Like they just, they're a healthy baby chick with a full crop. So if, if it is really bad and it's, it's swollen, it's hard. And, um, you know, it's clear that there is a problem. I would, uh, definitely offer probiotics in their water. And you could try doing the sick chick protocol with some massage. So I have something called the the sick chick protocol. I will link that video in the description and in the show notes. And what it is, is it's basically you make a little slurry and you feed the chick this slurry. And, you know, if it's an impacted crop, you would add in that massage. Um, and you could also put a little bit, if you're not feeding like whole grain feed, I would, if they're eating whole grain feed, I would, I would find a crumble and switch them over to crumble so that you can get it really wet and kind of make that slurry out of it. Cause you don't want anything to, um, get, you know, make the crop more impacted. And I would just feed them just a, a little bit while, you know, of that liquid slurry and keep massaging that crop to try and get it to move through. And sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, there's just something wrong and it's not working. And, um, those situations are really sad, but it does happen. Um, but most of the time it is not impacted crop. So keep that in mind for next time, Tara, I hope that your baby chicks were okay. I hope it was an impacted crop. And I do thank you for your question. Um, and congratulations on your baby chicks. Okay. So I am now going to open up the chat for questions. All right. Maggie asks, how or when do I introduce horizontal nipples to baby chicks? So that would be, um, you know, there's different kinds of, of waterers. And there's like nipple waterers and then there's fountain waterers. And some people prefer, prefer the nipple waterers. They're definitely, they, uh, they're easier to clean. I say I would suggest that you can introduce them as soon as they come home, you know, like you start to introduce them. Now, the the main thing about them is you have to make sure that all the baby chicks are drinking. So you got to keep a really good eye on them. Make sure that all of them are drinking from uh, from the nipples. Um, And usually they can they can, uh, you know, they can catch on to them fairly quickly. And Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor, if you have anything to add to that. Please do, because I haven't used the nipple. Uh, you know, we use them at the store. Uh, I used to, my husband and I used to have a farm store, and we did use the nipple waterers at the store sometimes. But 
I just, I have ducks. So I use the fountain waterers and I also use the, uh, you know, just open, open waterers, not for baby chicks, but for the chickens. Um, and I've just been more comfortable with that, but a lot of people love the nipple waters because they're just so like it, once you get your chickens trained on them and you know they're all drinking, they're just so much cleaner, especially if you have ducks because ducks make everything gross. Uh, so Michelle Carver asks, what is the best feeder? I've heard the grandpa feeder is the best, but it is so expensive. So if you haven't heard it, if you don't know what the grandpa feeder is, it's like a it's a it's a it's a great invention. I wish I would have invented it. <laughs> but I didn't. I'm not grandpa. Um, (laughs) It's a feeder where the chickens, they like step on it. And when they step on it, it opens and the chickens eat from it. And it's great because it keeps rodents out. It's like, you know, I mean, that's definitely a concern. You don't want rodents to be able to get into the feeder. So it's a, just a very, um, it's a, it's a very clean way to keep your chickens and a way to keep them from wasting feed and a way to keep rodents out of your feed. But, you know, um, I honestly, like, my chickens eat out of just bowls, like an open bowl. (laughs) And what I do is I feed them daily. I don't free feed them. I feed them enough that they will eat during the day. And even right now, like I was doing that, I was fermenting their feed before, And, you know, they would eat it all and then go to bed. And the next day I would give them a new batch of fermented feed. But even now I have switched them. I had to switch over to pellets because I have one special needs duck that was, I'm probably going to do a video about it, but he was like, (laughs) he was really having a problem with the fermented feed and, and he doesn't bathe. He's a duck that doesn't like water. Okay. (laughs) This is, (laughs) this is a duck that does not like water. He will not immerse himself in water. So um, he was getting it like all over his face and stuff. And it was really just not a good situation. So I had to switch them over to pellets. And even with the pellets, I feed them in bowls. And the reason I like to do that is it's kind of like the same concept as the grandpa feeder. Like I don't want to give rodents a reason to come around at night. So I feed them as much as they will eat during the day. And yes, they like kick it around everywhere. But I will look and see what they've kicked around and they have to eat all that up before I give them more, like, you know, the next day. So so that's what I do. I mean, any kind of gravity feeder is fine and just regular bowls is fine. Like, I, I'm, I'm just one of those people that's like, you don't need a lot of bells and whistles to, to have chickens. So whatever whatever works for you and whatever you can afford, I think will be absolutely fine for your chickens. So uh, Steph asks, can you please discuss vent gleet? Um, and I do have a podcast about vent gleet where I, where I talk about vent gleet. Um, you know, that's a, this is another thing where if they, if they have vent gleet, which is basically it's a yeast infection of the vent, um, and the vent is where it's, that's where everything happens for chickens or <laughs> they poop out of, it's where they lay their eggs. That is the, you know, that, that's it. That's, that's where it happens. So, um, sometimes it will, there will be a bacterial imbalance in, in the vent and they'll have a, a, a yeast overgrowth and that will cause a yeast infection of the vent. So uh, if, if this is happening, what you are dealing with is 
you know, it's an imbalance and you, it, it doesn't really happen unless there's something else going on. So a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, what's wrong with my chicken? Well, it's vent bleed. That's what's wrong with my chicken. So I'm, I'm going to address that. But I would encourage anybody dealing with that to really evaluate their practices and just evaluate the health of that chicken because if they've gotten to that state of imbalance, there's a reason for that, okay? Um, and it, it's possible that they have some other kind of infection going on. Like it, recently, I had a chicken that had what appeared to me to be vent gleat. Um, and I did treat her with probiotics, but she also had an internal infection. She had a few things going on. And what happened was, is that when I got her, she had an overgrowth. Of, she had a, um, a, a little bit of a coccidiosis. And so I had to treat her for that. I had to get, put her on an antibiotic because she had a, she had a, um, infection from that. And she also had an imbalance. She had like vent glee going on. So I, I had to do all these things and she was seen by a vet. Ultimately, I had to, had to have her seen by a vet, but she's okay now. So I think number one, uh, clean them up, Steph. Like definitely you want to clean them up um, because vent gleat is really, you know, it's first of all, it's just really gross. It smells and I'm sure it's uncomfortable for the chicken. So clean, clean them up uh, well, give them a nice bath. Um, and then you will want to give them some probiotics. So you can go to the store and get uh, probiotics for their water and put it in their water. You can give them whole milk yogurt, um, whole plain yogurt. You can add probiotics to that if you want to. Um, but what you want to do is get that bacteria back up to where it needs to be so that um, you know, hopefully whatever they have going on, they can fight that off. But I would suggest if you're dealing with vent gleat to also look for some other issues going on because vent gleat is really a symptom. It's not like a, it's not a cause usually. Okay. So Jamie O asks, is it normal for crops to be big and swollen at night with three week old chicks? I would say, yeah, they're eating a lot. Um, and as long as it's emptying overnight and they're acting normal, then that, I think that is within the range of normal. Okay, I am going to answer one more question. And it is from Marsha, cause uh, 7712 Uh, When can I introduce a baby rooster to 10-week-old pullets? So when you say a baby rooster, is it like a baby, like a baby chick? Um, if it's a baby chick, I would wait until he is about the same size as the pullets. And you can have him like nearby. You know, it would be best if he if he had company with him. So it, his own age so that he's not lonely. Um, and you can have him nearby and he can see the pullets, but I wouldn't put a baby rooster with 10 week old pullets because they could attack him. And if he's, if he's really little, but you, you will want to follow a process of integration and it's best if he's about the same size as them or the same age so or adult age is what I mean. So that, that's really the two things that you're looking for, because a lot of people will be like, well, I have, I want to introduce uh, bant my these bantams in with my standards. So bantams are not going to be the same size as the standards. Like they're not going to get to that size. 
But what you can do is wait until they are pretty much adults and then do the integration process. And that, you know, adult chickens are going to be a lot more confident and it'll be a lot easier to integrate them. Now, if you're doing standards to standards, you want to wait, you can, you can wait until the younger ones are about the same size as the existing chickens. And that's usually about, you know, 12 weeks or about the same size as almost the same size as adults. Chickens are getting there and they're really big enough to, to, you know, defend themselves if they need to. But regardless, you need to follow an integration process. And I do have a video about that that I can link for you in the description and in the show notes. But basically what you're doing is just you're having it to where the new chickens, whether it's a a baby rooster or, you know, other chickens, where the new ones can see the existing flock, but they can't access them. Like they can't access each other in order to hurt each other. But they can see each other and they can get near each other and they can work out some of that pecking order stuff and get used to each other without actually harming each other. Okay, so that's that's really the process. And sometimes it takes about a week. Sometimes it takes longer. If you're putting, you know, tiny bantams in with bigger chickens, it might take longer than that. But with patients, I have never, I've literally never had a chicken I couldn't integrate into my big crazy flock. (laughs) So anyway, good luck with that. And um, that's super fun. A a little baby rooster is super fun. Okay, guys, I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, I want to thank you all for being here. For those of you that are on the live and for those of you that are listening, um, Thank you to my moderator, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give me a thumbs up if you're here on YouTube or you can rate and review this podcast, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. That really helps me. It really helps Bok Talk to get scene to get new eyes on it and uh, we want to get the word out we want to change the world with chickens that's what we're that's what we're doing here we're changing the world (laughs) through chickens um so but the main thing guys that i want you to know today i want you to leave with this message remember you are always welcome in chickenlandia Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.